Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining our session today entitled Demystifying ISO-XML. So ISO-XML, that's a topic that's coming up more and more frequently these days for financial prof uh, professionals as they're having conversations with their banks and their technology providers. And then maybe one of those topics is not completely understood, you know, at least not from a practical standpoint in terms of how it's currently being used and how it will in the future impact financial professionals. So that's the angle we'll look to take today really describing what is ISO XML, how can you take advantage of it, and really what are the key considerations when you're migrating to this format. So before we jump into the content today, just a quick introduction to the speakers themselves. I'm John Paquette. I lead the customer success function for TIS's US market. This involves customer onboarding, pre-sales efforts, and some of our partner engagement efforts. With us today is Kevin Rice, who leads the customer onboarding team, uh, and we'll hopefully have some really good examples of how XML is used from a practical standpoint from some of our customer use cases. So Kevin, thanks very much for joining the podcast today. Happy to be here, John. And, you know, coincidentally, Kevin and I, were both former treasury practitioners. So hopefully, you know, we're hoping we can present these technical topics from a very practical standpoint, right? So uh, first of all, just to begin the conversation here, what is ISO XML? So there's really two components there. So first of all, XML, that's a language, right? It's a, a set of rules for how you encode a document to make it machine readable. Uh, in this case, we're talking about bad communication files specifically, right? So, and then ISO, when we talk about ISO, we're talking about the ISO 20022 standard, which is a modern financial messaging standard that's providing some guidance around the communications with and also between financial institutions. And generally just looking to make these communications more efficient and more standardized. So, you know, from that standpoint, combining everything together, ISO XML, it uses a robust file structure known as the XML tree in combination with standard terminology and placements of data elements within that file. Those are known as the XML segments or the XML tags to communicate financial information in a very standardized way. So for example, most financial communications include some indicator of the bank, right? Through a bank identifier. That might be a bit code, a local bank identifier, a sort code, whatever it might be. The way ISO XML works is it always puts that data element in a consistent place, regardless of the bank, country, region, and scope, right? So um, the other key component with uh, ISO XML is it's an open standard. It's non-proprietary, right? So it can be implemented by any financial in institution. This is a big digression from historical, what we call fixed length formats or proprietary formats that might differ quite a bit bank to bank, country to country, region to region, right? So to sum it all up, essentially, it's a file structure that can communicate a very large amount of data in a very standardized way, and it's available for any financial institution to adopt, right? So, but that's really the technical side of things, right? So maybe I can turn it over to Kevin here to talk a little bit more about specifically what is ISO XML used for? Yeah, definitely, John. So as you mentioned, you know, ISO XML is used as a, a standard communication. Uh, it's used in a, in a number of different ways, uh, from anything from payments to bank reporting, FX-related activities, securities, and even credit cards. Um, but for the sake of today's conversation, you know, I think we want to focus uh, in two areas, really, where ISO XML is being used more and more frequently in the financial services industry. Um, and that would be with payment files and bank reporting. With payment files, you're really seeing the use of I ISO XML become more and more uh, popular with regard to credit and debit initiation, as well as bank status reports getting updates, instant updates from banks in almost real time. Um, here, when we're talking about using ISO XML for payment files, for those purposes, we're dealing with pain files, which is short for payment initiation. 
And really on the inbound side, again, talking about bank reporting, we're seeing uh, the ISO XML use case being incorporated for prior day and current day bank reporting. The XML version being for prior day CAMP T53 and the XML, ISO XML version for current day or intraday bank account reporting uh, being used as CAMP T52. All right, got it. Perfect. So, you know, ISO XML, it's an emerging file format, right? So, which means that there should be some legacy file formats that are ultimately going to be either replaced or superseded with ISO XML. Maybe you can give us just a, a handful of examples of, some, of what some of those legacy formats are. Yeah, definitely, John. Uh, some of the, the more proprietary bank country specific formats that, you know, a lot of treasury practitioners and, you know, AP oriented roles are, are used to dealing with like NACHA in the United States, BACS in the UK, ABA in Australia, CFOMB in France, and other you know, regional bank-specific, as you mentioned earlier uh, in the session, fixed-length CSV-structured formats. These are really you know, what, what ISO XML is being introduced into the market and will eventually replace or supersede over the course of time. Um, and eventually down the road, there's, you know, there's a broader goal here with ISO XML not really pertaining just to the bank country specific, but more on a global standard. You know, uh, again, a lot of treasury practitioners and, and uh, AP uh, users are used to dealing with payments and statements in an MT format through the SWIFT network or BAI in more domestic cases. Uh, but again, ISO XML will look to reach that global standard and really become the global standard in years to come. That's a helpful explanation. I think you can start to see even some of the benefits in ISO XML from what you just described there, right? A number of different formats that you listed, NACHA, you know, BAC, CPA, um, all being replaced by one file format, right? That's already huge for treasurers being able to unify that much of their information. And so, you know, as we kind of transition to what are the key benefits of ISO XML for corporates? You know, first of all, because the, it, the, the format itself is so data rich and it can hold so much information in such a consistent way, it's an ideal format if you're looking to automate or standardize your processes, right? So from a payment initiation standpoint, like we alluded to here, right? XML allows for the standardization of multiple different payment initiation instruments globally in one structure because it can hold so many diverse data elements in a single structure. So this is, this is everything from your low value ACH, your high value wires, your checks, your international payments, your cross currency payments can all be initiated through one format, the pain 001 credit initiation file, right? So. And even aside from that, there's so much flexibility in the file itself. It can hold such a diverse range of data elements that you can do things that weren't previously possible in a single format. For example, probably one good example of this is the inclusion of uh, non-Latin language characters. So for example, if you're initiating local ACH payments in the US for the beneficiary name might be in English with a Payne001 format, you can also use that same format to initiate local Zinjin transfers in Japan, where that uh, beneficiary name might actually be in Katakana characters, right? So um, that's a big difference too. No format historically has been able to support that sort of diversity. So one of the big um, advantages to using ISO XML. Um, you know, and then just generally, and Kevin, I'm sure you have a, a lot of examples to this, data consistency that helps organizations drive process automation across the company, right? Yeah, yeah so a good example of that, John, is um, you know, again, Dealing with payments, you know, oftentimes when, when using third-party applications or e-banking platforms, payments aren't necessarily clearing real-time in you know, today's banking, or at least that's not how we're used to it. With the introduction of ISO XML, um, we're able to begin leveraging you know, payment status reports provided by banks known as Payne002 files. 
Um, and there are consistent identifiers used in the ISO XML uh, schema or tree, as you mentioned earlier in, in the session, such as the end-to-end ID. Um, and it's, it's a constant value, the end-to-end ID that is, is a constant value throughout the life cycle of the payment, appearing in the payment instruction file from the point of origin, uh, then again in the bank response file, as well as ultimately on the bank statement, really helping to automate organizations' reconciliation processes. Mm -hmm. um, and then other segments too, you know, such as remittance information, which again, uh, a lot of treasury practitioners are used to seeing and dealing with on prior day statements. You know, really what we're seeing are enhancements with the, IS, the introduction of ISO XML in terms of uh, capacity, how many, how many characters can now be incorporated or included in a prior day bank statement. Uh, previously, when dealing with, with uh, some of these more legacy formats or soon to be considered legacy formats like BAI and MT, generally you, you're dealing with, you know, a limitation in terms of the number of characters or uh, limit on information that you can provide in this remittance information section. Um, and that poses a lot of issues for treasury practitioners, you know, not being able to, to uh, completely, you know, uh, again, list the, the relevant invoice numbers that are being made on a specific payment um, or experiencing, uh, again, a list of, of invoices being truncated due to a character limitation. Again, ISO XML is, is here to solve that issue. And again, will we'll be of large benefit to a lot of, uh, again, treasury practitioners and AP users in the future. You know, but I guess not everything can be that easy, right? It can't be that great. There has to be some complexities involved with migrating over to ISO XML, um, or else obviously everybody would have, would have already done it by now. So maybe we could take a few minutes here just to talk a bit about those complexities as well. So um, first of all, we've called attention to a lot the fact that ISO XML is a very data-rich uh, format, but that also means that the structures are pretty extensive and pretty complex, right? So every single variable needs to be correctly output in that XML file within the right segment, within the right tag, or that payment file will fail. And um, for that reason, maybe there's a bit more upfront complexity in creating an ISO XML file than some of these legacy um, you know, CSV or fixed length formats like Kevin described before, but obviously a lot of advantages to take advantage of as well. So, um, and then I'm sure other, other kind of more considerations from the operational standpoint, Kevin, I don't know if you can maybe describe a couple of these for us. Yeah, building on exactly what you just said, John, you know, we're into introducing an entire new format into the industry here. It's, it's completely different from the legacy structures that we've come to know throughout the years in banking and treasury. Um, dealing with MT and kind of a numerical field value uh, setup and BAI being in a very similar fashion, we're now dealing with, with X in the ISO XML format, structured tags and segments within the file. And what that's causing uh, organizations to do is really you know, reevaluate their existing processes that are built around these legacy formats, right? Uh, A doesn't translate to B necessarily uh, in, this, in this situation perfectly. So it, it really does cause uh, organizations to have to um, really reconfigure their back office systems uh, and really analyze these, the setup uh, of their downstream processes as they're built around these legacy formats today uh, before they can really take advantage of the ISO XML uh, format and the enriched data and, and streamlined capabilities that come with it. Yeah, excellent point there for sure. I know we've called a lot of attention to the fact that this is a standardized structure here, but you know the way that the banks actually expect, the actual tags they expect do vary bank to bank. So there is still quite a bit of complexity there that... Um, that needs to be solved for uh, in some way by the organization as well. So 
you know, keeping all these things in mind, I guess the benefits that we've highlighted throughout the conversation today, the complexity, you know, when is really the right time to migrate to ISO XML? Um, you know, obviously a lot of organizations are already doing it. A lot of the key cash management banks today already support this format for payment initiation for reporting. So it's a, it's something that's really ongoing, you know, uh, for most finance organizations today. But maybe just a couple of key timelines to keep in mind um, that all financial institutions are actually required to support ISO 20022 formats by November 2025. Um, SWIFT's planned migration is, is the end of 2022, so maybe even a little bit sooner than that. But like I mentioned, something that's really already in flight, you know, uh, for most organizations today. So, um, and Kevin, you know, just any more kind of operational or business specific considerations um, when organizations are thinking about the best way to migrate to this format? Yeah, so I mean, you know, really, if, if your organization is, uh, is doing any sort of technology upgrade or process redesign, then now is the time to take advantage of the efficiencies that come with this, this newly introduced ISO XML format. Um, take this opportunity to really future-proof your organization uh, and streamline your internal processes. As John just mentioned, this is exactly where the industry is trending, and now, now's the time to act on it to stay with the curve. Um, and while, while legacy formats aren't ne necessarily or immediately being phased out, there are applications that help simplify the, the migration process to ISO XML, applications that can play the role of intermediary converting legacy formats on your behalf, like Nacha backs to this ISO XML format without contemplating back up or backend changes uh, to existing processes that are working just fine. Uh, you know, this approach really allows organizations to take the time that they need uh, to appropriately analyze and review and migrate their processes in the background without rushing this. You know, this is new to the industry. It's new to a lot of organizations around. Um, and so, you know, it's important that organizations do take their time before they go and rush to make this change. Right. Some good considerations there. I think some great options, some great uh, strategies for the listeners to think about in their migration to ISO XML and, and probably some good points to really end our conversation on today. So just to summarize some of what we discussed during the course of the, uh, the session today, ISO XML, tremendous advantages for treasury organizations, right? So if you understand those benefits and you have a strategy for how to adopt this format, it can really be a game changer in terms of the richness of data you're receiving on a day-to-day -day basis and how you're using this data to drive automation issues within your organization. Um, as Kevin pointed out, those strategies don't need to be complex, right? There are services out there that you can leverage that take the heavy lifting out of the process, or at least give you the ability to complete the migration from legacy formats in a really you know, controlled way. So I hope this podcast has made um, everybody who, who has listened in more knowledgeable on the topic and, and, and give me some strategies that you can think about for how to migrate to, um, to ISO XML. So thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, and also thanks to you, Kevin, for co-speaking with me today. Thanks, Jeff.